Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our new YouTube channel and and from now on, we'll be releasing episodes every other week. So still look for us there. But don't worry, we're recapping all your favorite episodes and we're chatting with amazing guests and answering your questions. So email us what you want to know at clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about season three, episode 11, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. It was written by Bridget Carpenter and directed by Michael Waxman. Our NBC synopsis reads, Lila's relationship with her father breaks down while JD's tension with his father reaches a boiling point. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, but first, we're going to answer a few of your fan questions. Our first question comes from Stephen Clark, who writes, you both mentioned guest stars on the podcast quite a bit. What qualifies a guest star? For example, Brad and Derek are called guest stars throughout the podcast, but they are on the show almost every week and in the opening credits. Who were the primary actors and who were the ones considered guest stars? This is actually a really good question because it can get a little confusing. There's like three basic levels. There's like the leads, what are known in the business as series regulars. So that would be Kyle and Connie, Taylor Kitsch, Minka Kelly. Scott Porter, Gaius Charles, Amy Teagarden, Jesse Plemons. Mm-hmm. Adrian Palicki and Zach Guilford. There were 10 series regulars when the show first started. As the show went on, that changed a little bit. Some people left the show, so they were no longer series regulars on the show. They're not getting paid when they're not a series regular. Then there's guest stars. This is where it gets a little crazy and a little <sighs> convoluted, and we could have arguments about this one all day long. So Stacy and I technically we're called co-stars. There's three different mm-hmm. levels. There's leads, there's guest stars, and then there's co-stars. Stacy and I were considered co-stars for like the first four seasons of the show or some three seasons of the mm-hmm. show or something like that. You could argue all day long that we kind of got screwed because usually technically a co-star <laughs> is like a person that comes on and says, it's one scene. you went that way. It's a small, like one scene person that comes in. Oh, I said small. That's terrible. Well, usually is. I mean, usually oh, a co-star good. is a small There are no role. small That's usually- parts. That's usually what it's kind of defined as. But Friday Night Lights kind of finagled that a little bit to the chagrin of some of the (laughs) actors that were on the show. We'll have Nan Bernstein on again, and we can talk to her about that. Obviously, there's a difference in pay scale. There's a difference in some of the things that, you know, you get a bigger trailer when you're a lead on the show. Trust me, guys, every Hollywood set, not just Hollywood, every film set has a hierarchy. And one of the things that was lovely about Friday Night Lights is from day one, Kyle Chandler's going, hey, man, we're going to dinner. Are you coming with? There was no hierarchy. It's not, I'm a lead. You're a little peon on the bottom. We're not hanging out with you. But there are shows that I've worked on where it is that way. But this really was different in that respect. I think that's why Stacey and I want to do a podcast about it, why we've chosen to do a podcast about it, because it is so much different from so many other shows that we've worked on. So yeah, it goes series regulars, guest stars, co-stars, and then background as far as like levels of actors go. And on soap operas, like back in the day, they used to have a thing called under five, which was a person who had literally under five lines. So it would be like, he went to the store to get some fruit. He's coming home soon. If you say anything more than that, you're done basically. Our next question comes from John Costello, who asks, is Tim Riggins country or Southern rock? 
What's your opinion on this one, Stacey? You got he's an a little bit country. He's a little bit rock and roll. I'll say he's a little bit country, but he's, look, he's a little bit of both, but he's not like modern day pop country. I think he's more Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson. Little Johnny country. Cash. Little Johnny Cash, outlaw <laughs> country from back in the day. He's not Taylor Swift. No, I don't think okay. so. <laughs> got it. Maybe a little Shania Twain, but not Taylor Swift. And then like as far as the, yeah, I think there's some Southern rock there a little bit. He's definitely both. As long as it's like the outlaw country, Willie and Waylon and the boys kind of thing. I just don't see him as being like this pop rock country, being sleeveless with studded cowboy hats and stuff. Yeah. Do you remember the movie Pure Country? Of course. George Strait. And Kyle Chandler. Yeah. So we got a hold of, (laughs) I guess the costume department or makeup department got a hold of a still, which is just a photo from the set of Kyle Chandler on Pure Country because he like played the like fake George Strait or something. And he had like the biggest black, what is it? A 12 gallon hat, a six gallon hat, (laughs) a 10 gallon hat. It's a 10 gallon hat. I'm from Texas, you guys, I swear. I'm not going to answer that for you. They pasted up pictures all over his trailer of him in Pure Country. I don't know why, but it was funny. <laughs> Andy had a ponytail, which was weird. It's like George, it was George Strait in the movie. Was. Yeah. But the character's name is Buddy, right? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did they make it not George Strait? <laughs> he had still short hair, but they just threw a ponytail on the back clip of it. A little clip and pony. That is a massive non sequitur. How do we get to that? Oh, oh, because whether or not Tim Riggins is country or Kyle Chandler or Southern is country. Rock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our final question comes from Thomas Simpson, who says there is a good bit of skin shown from characters over the seasons of the show, but there is no one who shows more than Billy Riggins in his mankinis multiple mm-hmm. times. Who chose that for Billy? I'm sorry to say I chose that. I chose the mankinis. I actually had a conversation with Michael Waxman and Jeffrey Reiner because there was a scene that was written about me being in my underwear. And I thought, I think Billy, he's proud of the fact that he's having sex on a regular basis. So he's got a banana hammock. He upped his underwear game? Yeah, he was <laughs> proud of himself. So he went and got a banana hammock. Do you remember the costume department had a chart graph on the wall that was literally who shows the most skin? And it was a dead heat race between me and Taylor Kitsch. And in the end, I won. So I was the one that showed the most skin on the show. It was you. You and Annie were up there too. But yeah, it was like me and Taylor. I don't remember you showing a lot of skin. I was in a bikini. When were you ever in a bikini topless? Every time I was in the strip club. Topless? Well, no, because NBC would Mm -hmm. let me. Yeah, so on a, on a purely like skin level, yes, I definitely showed more than But how anybody. many times did I dance at the strip club and how many times were you in underwear? I think I was only in the underwear two or three times. Yeah, and I was at the strip club all the time. I just remember my father being really embarrassed by it. Like, what? You, come on, what are you doing? It's Billy, man. It's just Billy. Which is crazy because here's the reality. In real life, guys, I don't even like wearing shorts because I got chicken legs. <laughs> you guys, he does. I thought Billy would wear bikini underwear because he was proud of his sexuality. <laughs> at least there was reasoning behind it. There was reasoning, trust me. It wasn't just me wanting to wear bikini underwear. Should we talk about the show? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Whatever, let's go. I am not even kidding when I tell you I love a register gun. And you just pick things that you want and you shoot a gun at it and it makes a beep. And like, I'm not buying a house or getting married or having a baby anytime soon. So I don't get to do that. And so when we were there on set that day, I took full advantage of a register gun. If you remember, we actually played, I don't know, like cops and robbers or laser tag in between takes, shooting each other with 
guns. I feel like any time that we were ever in like a grocery store or a big store like that, I feel like this was like a Sears or maybe a JCPenney. Mm-hmm. Are those still around? I think so. <laughs> He's put an know. Eagle Rock. <laughs> I think, I mean, I can't remember the last time I was in a Sears. But yeah, I always loved being in those places because it was kind of like carte blanche as an actor to do all the things that you were told as a child you weren't allowed to do, mm-hmm. especially as Billy Riggins. I could go crawl around underneath a mannequin's dress and see what was up there and like all the stuff that you weren't allowed mm-hmm. to do when you were a kid. Not that I did that. Who would do that? That's weird. Why would anyone do that? That's so weird. <laughs> so like we were just running around the store picking up anything that we could get our hands on. I don't recall if it was in the script that I picked up that leaf blower. Leaf I just blower? thought, oh, leaf blower. I mean, Mindy's checking out all this stuff and Billy's not getting anything. So Billy's like a leaf blower. And the response from all three Colette women is like, you're an idiot. Like put the leaf blower back. But I was also jumping on beds and it was fun. I didn't realize it at the time because I was having too much fun playing her, but Mindy's going to be a full-on bridezilla. Oh, 100%. I didn't think about it like that when I was doing it. She was just excited. Yes. This is definitely going to be the kind of wedding where the groom gets literally no presents. Mm. There is absolutely no gifts for the groom. It's my day. Have you ever been to those weddings? Like back in the day, I'd, I'd always yeah. get something for the groom, even if it was just like a six pack of beer, just because I knew that this poor guy is marrying a woman who's not going to let him have any presents at all. Presents. <laughs> there are some girls that are like, this is my day. This is about yeah, it's me. It's my day. Oh, I wanted to talk about this. JD's getting cute again with that redhead Madison, but this time it's during football practice. He already snuck out of the house to meet up with her in a previous episode. And I can only imagine that if Joe McCoy gets wind of this, oh. he's going to be none too happy about his son's behavior. It was during a break. They were having like a water break and he went over I, and uh, I hear you, but uh, during a water break, you hydrate and you stay with your team. This is on Madison for me. She needs to not mess with the quarterback during practice. Also, she reminds me so much of Aaron. In my head, Aaron and Madison are sisters. Aaron <laughs> Scott Street's baby mama. They look yes. like sisters. I get you. I get you. Just cute redheads. Yeah. Here's the deal, though. Like, the way I look at it, it's like the kid's excelling. He's crushing it in practice. I mean, up until this point, it was like every single ball he was throwing was on a line and completing pass after pass after pass. If he wants to take mm-hmm. five seconds and, and not get water and go, you know, chat it up with the ladies. By all means, man. Sure. Coach didn't like it, though. Coach didn't like it. Nobody's going to like it. And if Coach <laughs> didn't like it, you know Joe McCoy is going to hate it. Oh, God. I just, he's getting so scary. Yeah. Look at us having a little double date. A little mm-hmm. video game double date. I'm just going to put this out here into the universe. Mm-hmm. There is no way on earth that I personally, Derek Phillips, would lose in Mario Kart to Minka Kelly. It's not happening. I would bet against you. You would bet against me? She's scrappy. She is scrappy, but that doesn't mean that she's going to beat me in Mario Kart. Is it just because you spend a lot of time playing Mario Kart? I, I had a lot of time on my hands as a child. I didn't have a lot of friends. Nobody liked me. So I said, mm-hmm. I went to go see my nephews last week in Eugene, yes. Oregon. I played a lot of Mario Kart and I'm terrible. Did you play Call of Duty Vanguard? No, nope, I'm doing that at dance. You guys, my friend just got, I guess, a PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. and he got that game and I'm desperate to get into the game and I just want to kill Derek as many times as I can. Yeah, I'm one of the leads in Call of Duty Vanguard and you will get to kill me multiple Ooh, times. So if I any of you wait. guys want to go out there and get Call of Duty Vanguard, feel free. You can kill me a lot of times. Over and over. I've had people send me a lot of videos it's very disturbing of them. If you get in your head blown off. Yeah. It's it was awesome. a game that I did one time where you could kill my guy and steal his clothes. And so yet again, it was people killing me and I'd be left in my underwear and people being like. <laughs> it seems to be a running theme for you in your career. Yes, it is. Okay, back to the show. What's going on? We've got a lot show. of non sequiturs today. This is turning into like a freaky Friday moment for me. It's like Lila and Tim have traded places or I guess a trading places moment would be more apt in this situation. But like he's 
trying to get her to go to class and she's hungover and wants to sleep. What is happening in the world? Yeah, right? It's crazy. She's definitely not handling Buddy losing her college tuition money well. I think we forget sometimes just how much Lila has lost since this show has started. I mean, her whole entire life was kind of mapped out and perfect. She was this girl from an upper middle class family, kind of a perfect family. Mom and dad were still together. Dating the quarterback. Yeah, dating the quarterback. They were both going to go off to college. They were going to be married. They were the perfect American couple. And then, boom, her boyfriend loses the use of his legs. Uh, Her parents are divorced. Half her family leaves Texas and moves to California. She's now stuck living with her dad in like a two-bedroom apartment. And then he loses her college fund. It's a lot. And like, yeah, it's a lot for her to go through in the course of the last three years. And yeah, I think she's kind of at a point where she's just broken. I get it. It's just interesting yeah. to me to see Tim be so mature sometimes. Oh, 100%. He's good in him. It's really interesting because, I mean, on a character level, he's somewhat emotionally underdeveloped. But then at times he has these moments where it's like he sees through it all. You know what he I mean? He is just a really good person underneath that, like, yeah. bad boy veneer. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to that because I think there's a lot of that with Taylor Kitsch. I think on the outside, like when you meet him, he can be a funny, kind of over-the-top, goofy guy. But when you mm-hmm. actually have like a real heart-to-heart conversation with him, oh, which yeah. he and I have had multiple times about family and about different things, you realize that there's a, a deep person there. Still Rodgers run deep. Yeah. And, and a person that understands a lot about life emotionally. He's know. been through a lot. There's a level of emotional intelligence there. Moving on. Mm-hmm. I, I think I mentioned it before. Joe McCoy is literally starting to like really scare me. The heat gets turned up a little bit every episode. DW mm-hmm. is so good at keeping the tension right there. Whoa. He came across in the very beginning as kind of a slimy guy, blah, 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 blah. But as time mm-hmm. goes on, you're like, this guy's more than just slimy. There's like a... It's dangerous. There's an anger. Yeah, and there's a danger to him. It feels that, dangerous. That I don't know that I saw in, well, maybe I did. Even even in the beginning, there was that one time where, right at the beginning where he gave Coach the whiskey or whatever and the cigars in the office and Coach didn't accept him. There was just a look in his eyes, like a little glint. <laughs> he was uh, foreshadowing and we didn't even know it. Yeah, there's something in the back of his eyes. Oh, it's his eyes. He tells everything with his eyes. Yeah. The camera kind of catches later. it and you're like, this guy's a little nuts. Yeah. There's something a little off about him. And it's not just that he's a slime ball or that he's a wealthy guy who thinks he can buy the world off. There's a little psycho in there. Some trauma, maybe. Sidebar, when JD walks in with that jacket, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Until an embarrassingly late age in life, I thought they were called Leatherman jackets because the sleeves are made of leather. I know I'm not going to tell you how old I was because it's really embarrassing. (laughs) I want to know. Please tell me. I was definitely in high school before I knew. That's awesome. They were saying Letterman and I thought it was Leatherman. Also around the same, nope, it was later that I found out that when you get tenure, it doesn't mean that you've been a professor for 10 years. For 10 years, And yeah. then they hire you for longer because that's what I definitely thought. Those are both good. Though. Those are the kind of things that I love that kind of stuff. I can't think of anything because I know I definitely have some of those, but I can't think of one right now. So I'm kind of hanging you out to try. <laughs> that's fine. I will say that like the craziest thing, the craziest thing is like I played sports in Miami and we got Letterman's jackets and like it was like the biggest thing on the planet, but it was never ever cool enough, like cold enough outside Mm-mm. temperature wise to ever wear your Letterman jacket. And like the mm. one or two days of the year in Miami where it would drop down to like 70, every guy in the high school was wearing their Letterman jacket. And by noon, it's like 79 and we're all no. sweating profusely. I never thought about that. That's hysterical because you still want the like quintessential athleisure things that you get. And then your girlfriend can wear her boyfriend's Letterman jacket. That's right. It's such a slice of Americana that like, 
that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Yeah, we got that question a while ago about the differences between like what happens in Europe or London and Texas. And yeah, you guys know how. Yeah, Letterman's jackets, or as Stacey would call them, Leatherman's jackets. Maybe in England, they call them Leatherman jackets. Maybe they I'm going to get my Leatherman jacket. I'll be right back. <laughs> my stomach dropped to the floor when grandma fell out of that car. I feel like that was Luann doing it. Maybe it was shot slower, but it was scary. I would hope it wasn't Luann doing it. I totally forgot about this scene. I don't know how, oh, yeah, but I, yeah, I totally forgot about this scene. And I'm in the same boat. It completely and totally took me by surprise. Like when I saw her get out of the car, I was like, no, 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 what, what, what? That's one of the fun things about coming back to this show after so long is like there are times where it surprises me. There's a scene later in this episode I have no recollection of shooting. None. Don't remember being there. <laughs> I was a little bit in this, but also in that same scene, Matt, well on yelling in a way that I don't think we've seen Saracen do yet to his mother, who all I know of her is that she is very sweet and calm. I know she was away from his life for what, 15 years, but she's so present and available now. And Matt gives it to her. Yeah, he does. This episode has shown a lot of that Saracen fire. I mean, we see it from grandma. We know that Henry, his dad, has some of that. Mm -hmm. There's a little, speaking of anger underneath the surface, a little bit of anger underneath the surface in the Saracen family as well. Devil town. We said before, but still, I'm finding Tim Riggins incredibly mature in this episode. He actually gave really good advice to Buddy, and Buddy was seeking it out as well. What is happening? I don't know. I like it though. I'm, in, I'm I enjoying love it. it. I love that at the end of this scene, Tim says in their at the end of their little convo, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and he goes, "So, am I supposed to walk back from here?" But he's like, "Oh no, 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 sorry." <laughs> Drives him back to school. I was like, "I bet his truck is at the school," and he and Buddy drove off to yeah. the middle of nowhere. Again, my logic in my head. I'm like, I hope he drives him back to the school because his truck is definitely there. I yeah. get way too logistic about this show. But that was a nice little twist too, though, that like when Buddy goes to pick him up, you think, oh no, like Buddy's going to have it out with mm-hmm. him. And it turns out that what Buddy wants is his advice. He's like, look, man, I, I don't know what to do. It's actually smart because that's the guy that knows his daughter the best right now. It's a good move yep. on Buddy's part. Agreed. Also, shout out to the East Dillon Giraffes, who <laughs> I wish that's what they would be named later. Right. Here's another little thing. I mean, like, it's really interesting to go back and watch this episode. As I said, there are things that keep popping up that I just don't remember or don't remember that well. I think most of us that are listening to this podcast know what happens in season four and the fact that this redistricting actually becomes a reality. I don't remember this popping up this early on in season three. And it's weird because I can see it. I can see the like all the red and the lions and what's going to happen, but I shouldn't know that when I watch now. right. And it was one of these things where like, I think maybe as an actor, I was like, oh, this is just another convention that they're trying to pop in at the time, because I surely didn't know in season three, episode mm-hmm. 11, that that's where they were going to take it. I didn't know God. that that was going to happen at the end of but the I season. But I bet the writer's room knew and yes. damned them for being so smart. Yeah. But I surely didn't know that there was going to be an East Dillon Lions and that coach was going to wind up getting fired. Like none of that was yep. on the radar for me as an actor in these episodes. And I don't think it was yeah. for anyone. Maybe Kyle knew, maybe Connie maybe. knew, but I, I sure as hell didn't. That is kind of interesting to go back to because it's like there's a lot of things that pop up on this show that never really go anywhere, like the Jumbotron. We had this whole argument about the Jumbotron, but I don't think we ever see the Jumbotron. I don't think we ever talk about it or see it again. There's a lot of things like that, you know, oh, this might happen or this might happen. And then it just kind of goes away. And I thought this might be another one of those things when they were bringing it up. Oh, is it going to, it gets settled and oh, they're not going to redistrict. And then no, I mean, we know at the end of the season, not only are they going to redistrict, coach is going to get the axe. It 
fundamentally changes this show. Something that was interesting, actually, and one of the people who was a big champion of this show early on was a reviewer named Maureen Ryan, who is now, I believe, the, the head reviewer at Variety, I believe. But mm-hmm. at, the, at the time, she was with the Chicago Tribune. She had a wonderful write-up about the show in the first season. After this episode aired, Maureen had said, you know, I think Friday Night Lights has had a wonderful run, but with all these characters leaving, I think now would be a good time for the show to end. <gasps> yeah. She's not wrong. It would have been a great no, ending. I, I mean, as an actor, I'm sitting there going, okay, what the hell are we going to do without Gaius and, yeah. and Scott and Annie and all the, mm-hmm. what are we going to do without these people? The reason people tune in every week is because we love these people. Yeah. So this is kind of the first we hear of this redistricting and it, I just do not remember it popping up this early. So it goes murder, volleyball, Janice from Friends, yeah. Jumbotron, Santiago, Austin Nichols, <laughs> gone. Never talked about it again. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Friday Night Lights. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen like that on every show. You know what I mean? They bring something up, they talk about it, and then they don't ever really talk about it again. Such is life. Yeah. I didn't watch this episode, so I never saw or knew of this Tyree. 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 Let's get, I guess that's their name now as a couple. Landry Tyra. Tyree. This Tyra Landry scene where they're on the phone with me, and it really made me giggle because I could hear Mindy. Mindy always gives it to Landry, though. That scene was all right. Shut up. Oh, you're mad. Oh, you big mad. Yeah. I mean, I didn't particularly like them saying, (laughs) uh, remind me again why my sister thinks it's a good idea to marry Billy Riggins. I didn't love that part, but yeah. And he did not have a good idea why. He did not give a good reason. Yeah. I mean, I got these two people that I thought were my pals off camera. I was especially your pals. Off camera, just taking a massive dump on me. Not cool. Billy does get picked on a lot, though. He does, man. All he does is He really does. All he does is (laughs) try to provide for family, take care of people. (laughs) I feel for you right now. This whole redistricting storyline has my blood boiling because it means again that the students could have the resources to learn that they don't know if they do split it up into smaller class sizes and then the money gets distributed. But again, I'm finding in Dylan, nobody cares about that stuff except for Tammy. And it seems like maybe coach a little bit. It's just football and not education at all. And here's another thing that like, I didn't realize when we go to East Dylan. Like, obviously, East Dillon's facilities are not up to par. The players aren't up to par. And it's all because of this meeting right here. Mm. The sharks are in the water. They're smelling <laughs> blood. This is what winds up killing East Dillon as a football program because they've basically gerrymandered the whole entire district to make sure that all the good players mm-hmm. end up at Dillon. Like, it's going to be just kids who've never played football before in this part of town. They've literally gone in there. And as Tammy says later in the episode, it's like a jigsaw puzzle the way that they're gerrymandering these districts. I want to know what the ending map looks like. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, it would be funny if this kind of stuff didn't actually happen on a regular basis, not just in high school, but obviously on a political level as well. Yeah. It's scary stuff. I also want to talk about these scenes with Grandma Saracen because they are breaking my heart. Her dementia is really starting to get bad. And as much as Matt and all of us in the audience love her, I think it's getting pretty obvious that this might be too much for him to handle without professional help. Yeah, it's time for a person who understands this disorder and is trained in it to come in. It's going to be a detriment to Grandma, too, if they don't have that, let alone that it'll make it easier for Maddie. But it's time. It's so Ah. hard. He's so young. He kills me. place cards at my bachelorette party, bridal shower. Yeah, it's a bridal shower. And the art department made them, made me giggle. <laughs> Seeing them placed again made me giggle. They what were, were so some good. of the names again? There was, Sparkle, there was a sugar. candy, sugar, lace. 
there were more too. Like everyone had, like there was rainbow. They were so good. I love it. And we go to a football game and yes. it like hit me that they did a clear eyes, full hearts chant. And I can't remember the last time we've heard that on this show. Yeah, I think it's been a minute. It's been a while. I think it has been a minute. Made me happy. Yeah. This is a great game too. And I, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but anytime that there's a rain scene, nine times out of 10, they've gone out and hired these big, huge, massive rain trucks that are just loaded with gallons and gallons and gallons of water. And the water is freezing cold. The weird thing about this, Stacey, I said earlier in this episode. Oh, this is it? I have no recollection of being at this football game in the rain. Under an umbrella. Yeah, because I'm sure it was awful. Yeah, freezing cold. Like you can tell by the smoke coming out of people's mouths that it was obviously cold. Earlier in the episode, we've got JD wearing a long sleeve shirt underneath his football pads, that tells you right there that it's cold out. Because anytime that the football players were wearing long sleeves underneath there, it was usually like 50 degrees, Mm -hmm. 40 degrees kind of stuff. And that was just part of wardrobe going, hey, stay warm. This is the best we can do for you. I would think just the visceral, like remembrance of the feeling of being in a rain machine again, you would remember, but you really don't. Plus who's standing next to me in the stands, Minka Kelly. I think I would remember two hours underneath an umbrella in freezing cold rain with Minka Kelly trying to keep our bodies warm. You don't. Maybe that's why I don't remember it. You got frostbite like you did on Grey's Anatomy. I just want to give a shout out to E-Smart, Eric Smart, who is Tim Riggins' stunt double. The work that he is doing on the field in this game, he is throwing his body into everything. Yeah. All the stunt guys on this show do such an amazing job. And I mean, trust me, guys, (laughs) these hits are real. There were a lot of guys that, I mean, it it happens. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Eric Smart winds up breaking his collarbone later in the season when we shoot the state championship game. I'm pretty sure there's a hit that he took in the end zone in the state championship game where he actually broke his collarbone and was basically out for like the next six months. So like, it's like, all right, great job, Eric, blah, 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 blah. Thank you for throwing your body in front of everything for us. Goodbye. Yeah, man, those stunt guys, I've seen it on too many different productions. They really do sacrifice their bodies for these shoots. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's like the minute that injury happens or whatever, it's like they're done and they're basically off the payroll. Like they get their medical taken care of and all that stuff, but they're Mm -hmm. no longer getting paid to shoot on the show. It's hard. So big shout out to all the stunt guys, especially this episode. Big shout out to Justin Reamer for directing some of this. Just like slipping in the rain too. It's like they are just throwing themselves around. This was a good game. It's a good football episode for sure. It was a a really good game. And at the end, made me very, very happy that the Maddie that we know and love came back. I am really a big fan of this relationship that's forming with him and his mom. I really like it. It's kind of like proof that there can be redemption. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Beautiful scene. Beautiful scene. Okay, we talked about DW's eyes before. There's a shot where it's the rearview mirror and he just looks up at JD in the backseat on the cell phone. I didn't know, you had told me before that he like, he hits JD and DW talked about it a little bit. But the minute I saw him looking in the rearview mirror, I was like, oh, this is it. Oh God, it's going to happen. And I was like waiting for it. And I was not expecting what actually happened. That was a lot. Yeah. I mean, I remember when they shot this scene, Kyle and I were talking about it a couple of days later and Kyle had said it got really, really intense. I mean, as we said, we had DW on the show and DW said, yeah, he did smack Jeremy around. <sighs> I'm sure that both actors were okay with doing that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And our show kind of got away with some of that stuff mm-hmm. uh, occasionally. But you can see, I mean, there is a visceral reaction on Jeremy's face after that scene. Yeah, like super shock. Yeah, it's like shock. And as long as everybody's okay and nobody's getting injured, you know, you don't want anybody to get injured. But like there were scenes that got intense on this show. Yeah, a, you a, know? a ton of them. And it works. 
And there's something so that well. I, I remember reading something recently, like about actors in general, that when you're going through something shocking like that or something emotionally draining like that, your body doesn't know the difference. That's very true. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, I'm trying to explain what I mean like by Like your that. adrenaline will still pump up and endorphins will happen yes. when you're doing that scene. So the minute they call cut, your body's still... <laughs> Yeah, like your brain is like, okay, that's a cut. I'm going to go get a soda. But it doesn't mean that your body isn't still shaking from it. Yeah. Your body just went through something traumatic. I think that's one of the wonderful things, once again, about this show is that we were allowed to go to those places. We were allowed to push ourselves to those places. And it was such a comfortable environment on set. It was so safe. Like, even if what we were doing wasn't safe, it was safe around us. And it was safe to go to a place that's deeply heavy because the people yeah. around you were supporting you. Yeah. Guys, if we told you how much we loved working on this show, do you do you get it yet? I mean, and that's a hugely important thing as an actor, you know, to be able to bypass all those insecurities. I had a class my sophomore year of college, it was called a mass class. And it was this really <gasps> weird thing. You know, you'd walk into the class and our professor was adamant that everyone wear like skin tight, form fitting black outfits. Blacks. Yep. And it was, as I mentioned before earlier in this episode, I'm a little insecure about my legs. Mm -hmm. I've got really skinny legs. All of us have insecurities about our bodies. And so now you're in this class. It's basically there for the world to see. You know what I mean? Everything, mm -hmm. all of it, it's there. And about three days into the class, you stop thinking about that. You know what I mean? Because now you've seen it. Everyone else has seen it. You're crawling around on the ground. You're going, <laughs> you're a giraffe, you're an elephant. All this stuff, it's weird, it's odd, it makes you feel stupid. But one thing that I learned from this, and the biggest thing I learned from this, is like there's no insecurities anymore. Like I'm not thinking about that stuff anymore. I'm out of my head. That's when so you ask great. me That's to make a point. big, huge gesture and crawl around on the ground and scream and cry, and it's weird, it's nuts. I'm sure for people that are outside the acting profession, it's like, why are you doing that? It doesn't oh, make God. any sense. But it's for moments like this when you're in a scene and you're going to try something that you're unsure of, you now know, hey, I've crawled around on the ground and made a complete and total fool out of myself in front of a group of strangers. I can do that again. Mm -hmm. And if you're with the right people and if you're on the right crew, those people aren't going to laugh at your decisions. They're not going to make fun of your decisions. They're going to support you and hopefully tell you when it's not working. Absolutely. But also push you. I love doing that. I love failing. I love doing something like trying something and it doesn't work because it means yeah. I'm pushing myself. I enjoy failing on set. Yeah. And we'll talk about this later, but there's an episode where they wanted Billy to do a haka. And I'm like, I don't oh, know yeah. how to do a haka. And I remember having to do it and like research a haka. And a haka is a New Zealand tribal warrior dance. So they wanted me to do this for an episode. And I, I went in there, I researched it. I did it the first take. I got done with it. And Kyle walked over me and he goes, good for you. And I go, what? He goes, he goes, man, I remember reading that in the script and going, what the hell is he going to do? But he's like, you got to go all the way. If you don't go all you the way, to. you look like an idiot. And he's yeah. like, you're not going to look like an idiot in this. It actually looks kind of cool. And I'm like, cool, great. You know, like, but I was scared to death of shooting that scene because there's that yeah. part of you going, is everyone going to laugh at me? Is everyone going to think I'm an idiot? Is everyone? Gonna... And it's okay if it's Billy being the idiot, but I don't want them laughing at me, Derek. As yeah. an actor, you can laugh at Billy all day long. I know Billy's an idiot. <laughs> Just to have the blessing from the powers that be and the other people you're working with to go to those places. And some sets feel safe enough to do this and, and some yeah. don't. This happened yeah. to be one of the safest for me. I think that's why you get such raw performances on this show, though, is because there's a level of trust with everyone that you're working with. That like, OK, yeah. I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to ugly cry and no one's going to judge me on this set. They're open for it. They're going to allow it to happen. And they're going to protect me if I make a choice that doesn't work. They're going to protect me from my own bad decisions. We'll work it. We'll work it out. Anyway. Speaking of a good cry. Oh, yeah. Jenny Turner. 
Mm-hmm. She said, mm-hmm. he hit my baby. He's really good. What a smack, man. Because I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about this, this concept of married couples. What do I know? I'm not married, but this is my own <laughs> viewing it from the outside in situation. You see this happen a lot. Husband and wife, they get married. They're the love of each other's lives. And then they have a child. And all of a sudden that love is now transferred to that child. The child becomes the most important thing in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And in, I, I would say that that's the case in this. And when she says he hit my baby, it's almost like a stranger hit my baby. This person. Yeah, and my baby. It's not and his it's baby. My, that's yeah, my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The love a mother has for her child supersedes yeah. the love she has for her husband. So to see that switch, that idea that this person that I thought I knew, this person that I thought I loved, this person that I thought I respected, I don't know if I can respect them anymore. I don't know if I can go back to loving them anymore. I don't know if I can go back to being in the same room with them anymore because of this. Really well played. Beautiful scene from so Janine. Beautiful scene from Con- Beautiful scene from Jeremy and Kyle as well on the back patio. So- good. It just made me really sad because JD should be celebrating. You're going to state. Yeah. And a lot of that yeah. is on him and he can't, he doesn't get to celebrate at all. It's 100%. And when Kyle says to him at the very end, something along the lines of like, well, this will all work out in the long run. I mean, he's saying that. I almost have a feeling watching Kyle as the actor that he doesn't believe that. Joe's going to stay Joe. And that coach doesn't believe it either. It's just something to kind of say in the moment. I don't know that you go back from something like this. You know? Unless it's like it's going to work out when you're 18 and you get to leave your house. But until then, your life is going to be really hard. Yeah. I don't know. And this is kind of the fall of the McCoys in some respects. Oof. From this Oof. point on, it starts to get really dicey. I don't know what happens oh, after I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. Scared. Okay. I'm sorry, Stacey. So we did our ridiculous scene, not in the script that you put lingerie on. We just thought it was hysterical no. and it fit you. And so yeah. you wore a little red corset. I was just a plot device to get you out of that room so they could have that moment. That's the whole entire reason I think that. that and again, we, were we in need that to scene. be as ridiculous as possible and then jet out. Yeah, but that was one of those moments I thought, oh, well, they've just had a little party. This will be kind of funny. There was a little corset laying out, and I was like, oh, that'll be funny. And they let me do it. And then you had a thong on your head too, because why not? I did. Yes. Full in. <laughs> when you do it, Dare, go full in. That's right. That's right. Always. But that's, once again, I mean, I know it's a stupid little thing like that, but just to say, hey, how can we make this little moment a little bit better? Absolutely. Make it real. Make it a little bit more naturalistic and whatever. And I think it helped Annie in that moment because it kind of gave her something to kind of look at and go, I love that they're happy, but it's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, they're so happy. So we got to see this kind of fun moment with Mindy and Billy, and then it transitions into this really kind of serious, but also lovely scene between Annie and Dana. So we all shot our stuff in their scene at the same time. And Derek and I mm-hmm. went to Video Village, which is, sorry, explain Video Village. It's monitors that are set up. And essentially it's where the director and anyone who needs to have like headsets on and listen and watch the scene can go. And sometimes if you're like super nice, they'll let an actor sit in there and you get headsets. So you can watch the scene as it's happening on the screen. That's Video Village. If I remember correctly, Stacey, what happened is you and I exited. Mm-hmm. And when we exited, Video Village was sitting right outside the front right door outside. of the house. Yeah. And so we just walked over and just watched the scene. Put some every cans time. on. Yeah. And the cans I, are but just I remember, headsets. Yeah. I just remember being mesmerized by the two of them because we just mm-hmm. came out laughing our faces off. And then, oh, Angela says, she's never surprised me, not once. And it didn't even hit me like, oh, that's a dig to Mindy. It hit me like, that is some damn good writing. It's so good. 
It really is a beautiful scene between these two. There's a growth that I think I've seen, and it's not that I don't think that Annie had it before. I know she had it before. We saw it in the first season. We saw it in that that one little moment in the first season when she's left alone in the hotel room after she slept with that random guy. Yeah. Those little moments where you know that there's just a little bit more to Tyra than meets the eye. That Tyra is not just this beautiful 16, 17-year-old girl. There's a thoughtful woman there who's trying to, to break a cycle of abuse in her family. She is. And she's curious about the world in a way yeah. that like her mom and sister aren't. Yeah. It's yeah. Endearing. And we root for her. I really liked this episode. Me too, man. I was just going to say, like in my notes I have here, season three just keeps crushing it. I know four and five are great. Five used to be my favorite, but I is don't three know. three maybe now? Maybe. I love it. Oh, four is good too, man. I don't know. Four, I, haven't, ah. I don't know yet. Season three is great. Yeah. What if we hated our show? Our podcast would be so different. It would be a very, very difficult podcast to do. I can tell you that much. <laughs> or it would just be like really yucky. Just a lot of crickets in the background. <laughs> two people not having much to talk about. Dude, we've got two of the best episodes of season three. We've got our wedding and we've got the state championship game. Two of the best episodes maybe in the I history mean, of Friday Night Lights. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. It's a bold, bold statement, but Bold true. statement. And we got some great guests coming up. So Stace, I think that might be it for season three, episode 11. But please join us next time for season three, episode 12, entitled Underdogs. Until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to ClearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Orstano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.